Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. What do you trust in? This nation, supposedly, trusts in God. You know, that's our motto, in God we trust. It's on our money. Now, there are, of course, leftist organizations, political activist groups, some of them supposedly mainstream, such as the ACLU and their kindred organizations that have warred against the whole concept of there being a Christian, godly, religious underpinning or foundation to this nation. So some people, perchance, believe in God, perchance trust in God, but many other people perhaps trust in just the goodwill of their fellow man, (laughs) and so forth. Many people, I do believe, trust in law enforcement. Now, there have been many attacks upon law enforcement, not just violent, assassinating, ambushing attacks, but other kinds of attacks that have been made against law enforcement now for any number of years and have been incited by various spokespeople, professional race baiters and politicians and what have you. But many people, I do believe, trust in law enforcement to protect them, to protect their families, their loved ones, and so forth. But the best of the best, the best and the brightest of those who are in law enforcement can do no more than they are permitted to do, than they are allowed to do, than they are limited to doing, as is seen in this case pertaining to this Precious, lovely young woman, 23 years of age, from El Segundo, California, or Segundo if you prefer, Mackenzie Lewick, I believe that's probably the correct pronunciation, but perhaps it's pronounced Luke, but I will say Lewick, that's the way it looks to me. 23 years of age, student at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City, Utah. And she had flown from Salt Lake City, Utah to Los Angeles to attend a funeral for her grandmother. Then she flew back to Salt Lake City, Utah in order to take her midterm examinations, her midterm exams, her midterms, and had scheduled in advance that she was going to have a girl's night out with one of her best friends. Then she was going to be flying back to Los Angeles, Los Angeles International Airport, LAX, in order to be involved with a friend's wedding. 
Curiously enough, after landing safely in Salt Lake City, at Salt Lake City International Airport, she texted her family. Perhaps you use texting as compared to speaking on the phone with people. I do not, but I, I see a value in it. <laughs> I do see that there can be value in that. Let's say someone is kidnapped, for instance. Not that that would ever happen, mind you. And let's say that they still have their cell phone on them, on their person, and they're thrown into the trunk of a vehicle. And they're able, probably wouldn't be able to, but able to get a hold of their phone and text 911, text for help, text a message about what has happened using that abbreviated text lingo, I can see that it could perhaps be useful. That there would be times that it would be more dangerous to speak than to input some characters for transmission. But I am not a fan of it. But this lovely young woman, she texted her family that she had arrived safely. Perhaps she was just in the habit of texting, which is what I assume, or perhaps she did not want to wake them. But on the other hand, it would be an hour earlier in Los Angeles or El Segundo than it would be in Salt Lake City, Utah, Pacific time instead of Rocky Mountain time. So it would have only been 12 midnight. But nonetheless, that's what she did. That's the last she was heard of. That was on June 17th. Now, I am recording this program. This is on June 24th, Monday. That was Monday, June 17th, in the weeest wee hours of the morning, at approximately 1 a.m. She called for a lift ride via LYFT, car service, you know, like Uber. And she was apparently taken to a residential location, a parking lot in the midst of a residential neighborhood in North Salt Lake City, Utah. And dropped there by the driver who immediately responded to other requests and so on and so forth. So seemingly no Harm had befallen her at that point in time, seemingly. Well, looking at photos that I've seen now that police have returned to that scene, a week later have returned to that scene, I see that you can. there's a tennis court or multiple tennis courts adjoining this parking lot, and this parking lot seemingly serves the tennis courts and perchance is overflow parking for the residences around there. They don't appear to be apartment buildings, appear to be houses. But the police were not immediately alerted of her being missing because her family did not immediately know about it. But it became apparent rather quickly. 
when she failed to take the midterm exams that was the reason for her flying back to Salt Lake City, Utah. That was the reason that she went back there. Because otherwise, she would have stayed in the Los Angeles area until she was (laughs) in the wedding party of her friend. But no, she did not take her midterm exams. And yet, police spokesman, Salt Lake City Police Sergeant Brandon Shearer, he stated that police have not discovered anything at this point that would lead them to believe that Lewick is in danger. No, nothing. Nothing would indicate that. Now, that was said earlier, but it has been repeated. Nothing has been discovered that would indicate that she's in danger. No, nothing. Nothing except for the fact that she did not take her midterm exams. She did not show up for them, even though that was the reason, the purpose, the objective of her flying back to Salt Lake City, Utah. She did not visit her friend, her girlfriend, whom she was going to have this girl's night out with. She has not returned any communications. She has not answered any texts. I don't know how texts or phone calls or any communications that people have attempted to make to her. She has not returned any of them. She has not acknowledged any of them, neither by voice nor by text. Additionally, she has not returned to Los Angeles for the wedding. So for the wedding that was so important to her, and she has missed that. But the police, in their wisdom, with their investigative skills and their discernment about such things, they don't see any evidence that a crime has been committed. No. You know, how many times do we hear concerning a child being missing, the Amber Alerts and so forth, that the first 24 to 48 hours are absolutely critical, absolutely crucial, that with each passing hour, the chance, the likelihood, the possibility of a child being recovered alive and well diminishes precipitously. How many times have we heard that over the years? Over and over and over again we hear that. And yet we have these fabulous man-made, woman-made laws that prevent police from actively investigating missing persons cases until after typically 48 hours. (laughs) Until after the die is cast. Until after the track is cold in many cases. Small wonder that we have so many cold case murder investigations. But Undoubtedly, it's the way it should be, right? It's the way it should be. This young woman, again, this is the way in this modern age of the United States of America and, 
Western world, presumably, but definitely in the United States of America, is that young people, young adults, they leave home, they go abroad, if you will. No, not necessarily to France or to Puerto Rico or elsewhere in the Caribbean or somewhere else to go to school, but away from home. You know, where they are far enough away that they are independent from home. Sometimes it's because of athletic scholarships. Sometimes because of academic scholarships. Sometimes because of the prestige of the schools. Sometimes because of boyfriend, girlfriend, so forth, going to these schools. Or the parents' alma mater. There are myriad reasons for doing it. Others do it so that they can be free from parental supervision, or run wild. But this young woman, she didn't go to the other side of the United States of America. No. Salt Lake City, Utah, isn't that far from Southern California. It's a ways, but it's not that extremely far. But she arrived in Salt Lake City at 1 a.m., Great move, good move, you know, get there at that time in the darkness and then call for one of these wonderful car services. It's not that I have extreme confidence in cabs, in taxi drivers, because what is the threshold there? How high is the bar for taxi cab drivers? It's not necessarily, you know, through the roof. But still in all, it seems to be a, so, a safer mode, if you will, a safer choice, a safer alternative than Uber and Lyft. That's the way it seems to me, but what do I know? But in any case, assuming that there was no involvement in any way, shape, or form, by the driver of the Lyft car service, assuming he had nothing to do with it in any way, unlike the driver, let's say, in the, uh, the movie Taken, assuming there's no connection whatsoever, she is dropped off in a parking lot. I'm assuming it was not black there, even though it was... <laughs> 1 a.m., I'm assuming it was not black that there was light from outside light fixtures surrounding the parking lot, as well as at the various residences. That is not to say that she couldn't have been attacked in the parking lot. She could have. But it is mysterious because this place that she went to at such an hour is not a place where she lived And there hasn't been anything said about there being any friend located in one of these residences and so forth. So it's rather mysterious as far as why she would have directed the driver to take her there. But seemingly that is is what she called for and that is where she was dropped off. But again, the police have reiterated now as of today, that there is no evidence 
that Mackenzie has been harmed or is in danger at this time? A question that I have is this. What is the definition of harmed? Because (laughs) this would only hold true if kidnapped, raped, and (laughs) in danger of being murdered is not considered harmed. This young woman has not disappeared for a week without there having been harm. She hasn't disappeared from attending her midterms, from meeting with her girlfriend for a girl's night out, from flying back home to take part in this wedding. She hasn't failed to do those things because of being fine and well and so forth. She hasn't refused to receive communications from her family and loved ones and friends because she is in such good shape. The police, to put it gently here, are in denial. They are well beyond the 48 hours. They are actively investigating. But to no avail. So what should happen? What should have happened? What should happen? Well, before I get to that, let me just go back to this. There is no evidence. Hmm. Fascinating catch-22, isn't it? It is such hypocrisy. It is such a double standard. I'm not saying this specifically with regard to the Salt Lake City Police Department. I'm not. This same kind of nonsense, if you can use that mild a term, occurs nationwide. I'm not singling out or selecting out the Salt Lake City Police Department. I have no reason to believe that they are less efficient, less effective, less expert, less courageous than any other police departments. And in fact, probably superior on many counts, given what I have Heard about the South Florida, Miami Beach uh, police, but, and so forth, (laughs) and Dallas, Texas. Uh, But there are, you're going to find incidents, horrible (laughs) uh, dearth of the kind of protective service you might expect from police. You're going to find that everywhere, not just because of Oh, some evil individuals in the police, but also because of deficient ones, because of lazy members of law enforcement, because of stupid ones, because of cowardly ones. Cowardly ones, yes. Such things happen. Don't you remember? (laughs) I could give any number of instances that defy imagination, but I shan't. I would digress. So there is no evidence. So let's wait until there's evidence. Let's wait until there is blood. There are garments. 
perhaps physical remains of this precious young woman before we really get aggressive with investigating. Okay, let's give the kidnappers plenty of time, plenty of rope, not to hang themselves, but to hang her. Right? Isn't that the way we should do things in this nation which prides itself, you know, on all being innocent until proven guilty? It would be totally wrong, totally inappropriate for the police to go door to door throughout this residential community and to insist on seeing every nook and cranny of those houses. That would be entirely inappropriate, even though it could perhaps save her life if she is still alive. If is the operative word. No, let's wait until we have evidence, her body, found here or there or what have you, or her dismembered body, that's much in vogue now in order to destroy the remains. Once upon a time, it was sufficient for vicious criminals to rape women and young women or to kidnap and rape them. No more. Now, now the crime of choice is kidnap, rape, murder, or kidnap, rape, keep his sex slave, or kidnap, rape, prostitute, or traffic. Yes, we've come a long way, and it's not a coincidence. It goes along with our unbelievably obscene justice system, our unbelievable denigration degrading, devolving, some would say, of our legal system, of our justice system. But what are our police forces supposed to do? What are they entrusted to do? Just a few mission statements of a few high-profile police departments. Los Angeles Police Department has been much uh, maligned in the view of some, much criticized, and what have you. They have got quite a job (laughs) uh, out there in Los Angeles. But, you know, in the same neck of the woods as El Segundo, right? Los Angeles Police Department, their mission, according to their website, is to safeguard the lives and property of the people we serve. To safeguard the lives. To reduce the incidence and fear of crime. Not just the incidence, but the fear of crime of the people we serve. Again, of the public. Okay. To safeguard the lives. How do you safeguard the lives by sitting on your hands and saying, we need to wait until we see evidence of crime taking place here. What is the definition of evidence? How is this not evidence in Mackenzie Lewick's case? How can any reasonable man, you know, 
that old standard, the reasonable man. What would a reasonable man do? What would a reasonable man think? What would a reasonable woman say about this, that, and the other thing? Well, what do reasonable people say about a standard for evidence here? She went to Salt Lake City, Utah, flew there out of her way in order to take her midterms, and she doesn't take them. She has a scheduled meeting with one of her best girlfriends. She not only doesn't meet her, she doesn't receive her text messages, doesn't receive her phone calls, doesn't respond to them. She doesn't fly back to Los Angeles for this wedding. She doesn't receive or respond to any communications from friends, family members, loved ones. But hey, there's no evidence of wrongdoing. There's no evidence that she has been harmed or is in danger at this time, according to Salt Lake City Police Department. Well, this really comes across as CYA on the part of Salt Lake City Police Department. And it's one thing for them to say we have not found her and we haven't discovered any leads to her and so forth. It's another for them to say there is no evidence. That is an absolute quote. There is no evidence that she has been harmed or is in danger at this time. Oh, but they will all of a sudden have evidence when they find her body. Isn't that great? Then they can get animated and active and so forth. What a pity. What a shame. It reminds me of a case many years ago, a precious little girl. Oh, before I continue, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas. And this is after all is said and done. After all is said and done, whatever is good and true and right and accurate in this program is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, that's on me, that's due to me. That's my fault. But this case, any number of years ago now, A precious little girl, very young girl. I cannot remember what age she was, but I'm going to say five years old, four years old, something like that. And she went missing from her parents' mobile home. And I believe it was in Florida. Not certain, but that sounds right to me. Pretty sure it was Florida. And the police came, and they saw no evidence, and they didn't know who to suspect. You know, probably her parents or her her mother and stepfather, whatever the situation was. I can't recall. But anyway, it went on for a number of days, uh, no news, nothing done about it. And then finally, I don't remember how long it was, a week later, two weeks later, a month later, they discovered this precious little girl's purple stuffed animal and this little girl buried in a shallow grave of a neighbor who had a mobile home, who came over, kidnapped the little girl, raped her, murdered her, buried her alive. 
But the police, who were called very soon, you know, as soon as the parents discovered the little girl missing the next day, they could not do anything as terrible, as horrible, as doing a house-to-house search. Oh, no, we have to have a warrant before we can do anything like that, and there has to be a period of time. All these kinds of things that enter in, of course. It just would be wrong to invade the privacy of these people. She was still alive. She was not murdered that night. They determined that. She was not murdered that night, not murdered the next morning. But they did not do what they had to do, what they needed to do, what was absolutely incumbent upon them to do. They did not do. Instead, they followed the usual police playbook. And it cost this precious, wonderful little girl her life. Of course, the one arrested presumably convicted of having done this to her. He goes off to prison. And if, if, a big, big, big if here, if he is ever executed, it will be painlessly, okay? There won't be a hole dug in the ground and him stuffed in it and him buried alive. That won't happen, all right? No, because that would be wrong because he might actually suffer. We can't have that. No. No matter how much suffering he caused, we cannot have that. And so these things, these abominations continue. And the blood of the innocent cries out. And regardless whom you trust in, regardless whom we trust in, God Almighty will not hold this nation free from guilt for such things. Unfortunately, we're all in it together. But the mission statements, again, of some major metropolitan police forces. Again, Los Angeles Police Department to safeguard the lives of the people we serve. And then Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. The Atlanta Police Department mission is to create a safer Atlanta by reducing crime, ensuring the safety of our residents. Ensuring the safety of our residents, of our people. And they say that They are admired among law enforcement agencies worldwide. Moving on. Tucson, Arizona. Tucson. Yes, it is spelled Tucson, but pronounced Tucson. Where a great-grandfather of mine passed away. But, (laughs) and I have a great-great grandfather from the Atlanta area, and I have a great-grandfather who died in Los Angeles. So I have a 
a foot in all of these communities, Tucson Police Department. The mission is to serve the public, to protect life, protect life, prevent crime, but first and foremost, protect life. (laughs) Astonishing, right? Ensuring the safety of our residents, safeguarding the lives of the people we serve, protecting life. And then finally, I have from the United States Capitol Police, their mission to protect the Congress, its members, its employees, and its visitors, and then its facilities. Okay, but the people, to protect them, to protect their lives. Well, I have not specified the mission here for Salt Lake City Police Department, but I guarantee you it's very similar. And the desire on the part of a great many members of the Salt Lake City Police Department is in agreement with that. If not all of them, certainly a great many of them. And yet, even a week after this girl has disappeared and is clearly, unmistakably, a victim of having been taken captive, having been kidnapped, kidnapped to be raped. There's been no ransom request. Kidnapped to be raped and, again, either kept as a sex slave, trafficked, prostituted, or murdered. That is the sum total of it. There are no other possibilities. And yet, there is no evidence that Mackenzie has been harmed or is in danger at this time. How can this communication be made on behalf of the Salt Lake City Police Department? How? That's shameful. That's disgraceful. But, again, it would be wrong To go door to door. I'm not saying that she is in one of these residences. There has been a week now to move her. Whether she was alive or dead at time of moving, there has been a week to transport her, move her from there. This should have happened as soon as her family notified the police and the police were able to follow up on the Lyft driver to find out where he took her, where she was left, they should have immediately instituted house-to-house search. But it simply is not done. Instead, what do we see in missing persons cases? What do we see? Whether it is officially a missing persons case or a kidnap case, officially listed as kidnap, what do we always see? The same imagery. Oh, my gosh. Get 100 people. Get 200 people. 
and have them walk abreast of one another, you know, basically not linked arms, but basically touching hands, right? Walking through the fields. How does that make any sense? Really? How does that make the tiniest ounce of sense? Instead of that, just send up a drone and scan the whole area, right? At the very, 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 very least, you would think in this day and age that the Salt Lake City Police Department, that they could have put a drone in the air over this residential area, right? And I don't know how long they can stay aloft, but then put another one up and then another one and taken shifts and kept that area under surveillance the entire time. Perhaps they have. There's no indication of it, but perhaps. But that still is a very cheap, dare I say, cowardly way to go about it as compared to house-to-house search. It should have been combined with house-to-house search so that while they are searching the houses, if anybody tries to make a break for it, whatever, that it would be caught by the drone and the drone would be monitored and police could pursue and so on and so forth. But, again, the laws... The laws are not designed. These man-made, abominably unrighteous, horribly unwise laws that we have do not protect the innocent. They protect the guilty. They safeguard the guilty. They allow the destroyers to destroy the innocents here in this wonderful United States of America. And there are similarities throughout all of the developed, highly developed, intellectual, advanced nations, Western nations and non-Western nations. Really inspiring. But speaking of evidence, do you remember the case of Jamal Khashoggi? who was slaughtered in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, Turkey, at the behest of Prince Mohammed. Of course, we can't say that because, you know, I mean, we just can't say that Prince Mohammed bin Salman, that he... Saudi crown prince that he had anything to do with heavens. No. (laughs) And yet with each passing additional piece of evidence, they just all converge on crown prince Mohammed bin Salman. Oh, monarchies are so glamorous, aren't they? And he is the king-in-waiting, and he is the de facto head of the Saudi regime. I am surprised at how stupid the operation was. Of course, they're going to go ahead. They are over in Saudi Arabia. They are trying 
individuals that were involved with this, and they will execute them, and there will be a dead end. Nothing will go to the crown prince. It will die before anything reaches the crown prince. But it will protect him. It will, you know, insulate him. But it's just just fascinating. They couldn't instead have hired some non-Saudi assassin to murder Khashoggi, you know, out and about somewhere. Wouldn't that have made a whole lot more sense? You know, just mugged him, stabbed him to death on some street corner, something like that. These things happen. You know, he was robbed. He was mugged. No, instead... They lure him into the Saudi consulate and attack him and slaughter him there and dismember his body and remove it to Saudi Arabia and so forth. Just incredibly stupid. Instead of the perfect crime, far from the perfect crime. But guess what? Initially, there was no evidence. None. No evidence. And they sent out a body double clothed with his clothing to be seen here and there. They forced him to send a text to a family member there stating that, you know, that he was delayed. What I don't understand, that was the strangest, strangest thing about, about it of all, was that supposedly in this last piece of information that I saw about it, was that when he was taken to such and such a location within the consulate that he recognized the fellow who would be dismembering his body. And he was told, he wasn't bound, he was told to send a text message. Why didn't they just take his phone and send the text message for him? But he, he actually uttered something to the effect you know, as far as what he should communicate. <laughs> and that it, that it shouldn't be kidnapped. Not that I've been kidnapped, but such and such. It was just a, a crazy, crazy twist in this thing. At the very, very, very least, he needed to text that he was being kidnapped and or worse and have made sure that text went, you know, somewhere else. <laughs> like... uh to his employer, Washington Post, or something like that. But no. No evidence initially. Now there is a mountain of evidence, even though his body has not been found, even though (laughs) it was a perfect crime. Evidence. Two children's bodies were discovered in a backyard. But you see see there's a, a common theme here. Evidence is after they've been murdered, not before, after. No body, no crime. How many times have you heard that on TV and movies? No body, no crime. Okay, so there won't be any crime concerning Mackenzie Lewick until her body is found. Isn't that comforting? But police in southeast Georgia, back to Georgia, in Guyton, Georgia, I believe it's pronounced. They discovered the bodies 
of Mary and Elwin Crocker Jr. Teenage brother and sister. At the home of the father, Elwin Crocker Sr., who is living with a girlfriend, woman friend, who is much younger than he. In fact, uh, her mother is one year older than Crocker Sr. But the mother of the children is being uh, sought to be to be contacted, to be interviewed, and so forth. But this wonderful fellow, Elwin Crocker Sr., slaughtered his son, his namesake son, his daughter. But how they were slaughtered, it, hasn't, it wasn't determined at the time that I saw this, whether they'd been starved to death, beaten, what have you. They died a couple years apart. But, interestingly, there were no reports of them missing, even though they hadn't been in school for how long. But finally, something triggered the Effingham County Sheriff's Office to make a welfare check on this girl. And they discovered their bodies buried there. She had not been seen in weeks. He had not been seen since November 2016. Their bodies were discovered on Christmas Eve day or Christmas day of 2018. Meanwhile, their daddy was playing Santa Claus at Walmart. Exciting. Really good, right? No evidence, no evidence of foul play, no evidence of crime, Until there was evidence, until there were bodies, until there were corpses. Cold case from California, from Rancho Cucamonga area. The bodies were found in the Mojave Desert. A family. He annihilated a family. A man and his wife and their Two boys, Joseph and Summer McStay, and their two boys were all slaughtered, apparently over money. Yes, he owed this fellow who has been arrested and charged, he owed approximately $43,000 to this man. Yes. And after he murdered them, he then stole money, embezzled money from this man's account. But there was no evidence until there was evidence, until the fall of 2013, an off-road motorcyclist, an off-road biker, dirt biker, came across fragments of a skull in the desert which was located off of Interstate 15 in Victorville, California. Desert area, high desert, I believe it is referred to as. There was digging conducted, their bodies were found. 
The father, 40 years of age. The mother, 43. The boys, four years of age and three years of age. Gianni and Joey Jr. And along with their bodies was found a rusty sledgehammer. Finally, there was evidence. And now, now June of 2019, this fellow has been found guilty. Charged, convicted, found guilty. So now he goes to prison. Oh my, that's justice, American style. Meanwhile, back to Georgia. Back to Georgia. Guy... Hines Jr. was found guilty of malice murder, of having slaughtered eight people, including family members, back in August of 2009. The murder is categorized as beating, but he didn't beat them with his fists. He used some sort of weapons, and it is thought that he used a shotgun. And they were all sleeping in a mobile home, and he was a drug user. He had been smoking crack cocaine, and he struck these eight, most all of whom were in bed, he struck them more than 220 times. His father, his father's four children, so I don't know what the relation is to this man. And the list goes on. All closely related. Murdered eight. But he's not going to be executed. That would be wrong. That would be inhuman. That would be inhuman to execute him, to give him a painless execution even. Would be inhuman. Prosecutors dropped seeking the death penalty because... They wanted to ensure that they could get the conviction and avoid a hung jury. Four children were among the eight that were slaughtered by him. Oh, but drug use, that's an extenuating circumstance. Right. Back to Georgia. (laughs) I don't mean to pick on Georgia. But Marion Wilson, Jr., And Robert Earl Butts, Jr., both juniors, good boys, they were convicted of murdering an off-duty prison guard who gave them a ride. The murders took place in 96. So here we are 23 years later. Robert Earl Butts, Jr. was executed in 2018, but Marion Wilson, Jr., finally is scheduled to receive a lethal injection, painless execution. But whether he will be executed, 
remains to be seen. But don't you understand, when there is this kind of a span of time, this kind of disconnect between the crime and the punishment, it destroys all deterrent. It is a complete, absolute travesty. But that's the way it is in the United States of America. I recommend, if you have any belief in God, that you pray for Mackenzie Lewick, that she be found alive. Heavenly Father, save this girl in Jesus' name. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.